Football by the hell. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our latest edition of Football Bloody Hell. Yes, Monday is back here upon us, and we are delighted to say that joining myself, Dave Pryor, tonight is Mr. Aidy Hopper. How are you doing, Aid? I'm all right, old dog. It's the others. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Also here this evening is Mr. Rick Hyatt. How are you doing, Rick? I'm very well. Adrian, I think you'll find it is you. It's not the others. It's definitely you, mate. No, it's more likely to be you at the moment. Oh, the do you, you think so? Yes, I think so. So wind your bloody neck in. Well, this is a nice, polite start, as always, here on Football mm. Bloody Hell. He also here, Also here is Mr. Tom Bailey. How are you, Tom? I'm, I'm good. It's like listening to a married couple. A wonderful time. <laughs> And completing the set tonight, uh, making his possibly third appearance. Maybe it's his fourth now. I've lost count. It's former Yeovil Town player and current Derby County manager, Mr. Paul Warner's on the pod. How are you doing, Paul? Very good, thank you. Very good. Excellent. Is it your third or fourth, or is that not the sort of thing you keep tabs they on? They all sort of merge into one magnificent adventure. So I would like to say, I think it's fourth. I think it's and as you've heard from the intro, it's not a lot to change, mate, to be quite honest. No, it seems similar. It does seem similar. <laughs> David, excellent use of the word current, I thought, in Paul's intro. <laughs> I wasn't being mischievous. Do you did know something sound, he doesn't? Did that sound loaded? I do apologise. <laughs> well, let's start with Derby County, if we may, Paul, because we don't obviously always get a chat to speak to yourself. And the last time that you were on the pod, I'm pretty sure you were just sort of flirting with the playoffs. Uh, so as we speak, uh, currently second place uh, after a good win at the Valley. I think it was 1-0 at the weekend. Yeah. Um, how have you been the last couple of weeks? You must be pretty happy with how things are going. Certainly, objectively, looking at you second place at the moment. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, the team have done uh, really well. So they take all the credit. So, yeah, done really well. I mean, in fairness, at the start of the season, when we weren't at the in the top two positions, we were still doing okay. But it was just about trying to be consistent with the lads and, you know, win, lose or draw, try and keep the messaging the same. So we did. And then, as always, you need the September window to shut because that's a royal pain. And then everyone gets good around October, November. And then start of December, everyone starts coming from the players again. So... It's nice to get this side of January, and I think we've won 12 in 15 or something, which obviously isn't as good as Yeovil, but not bad for League One. So it sort of uh, pushed us up there, but there's loads of good teams in really good form. And like it was obviously at the weekend, we beat Charlton. I don't think one in 10, but they've signed nine new players this window. So uh, we've still got to play them at home yet. So it was a tough game, but good to get through. So yeah, um, obviously as a football manager, so to speak, Life is always a bit easier when your team are winning. I don't know if that's out there. I don't know if I've, you know, ruined the football secrets and myth here, but <laughs> the job is more enjoyable when the team wins. So, yeah, fortunately, um, it's been going all right. Thank you. I think what we did last speak is I think Portsmouth were uh, steaming ahead um, at the top of the table at that time. And say the gap at the moment uh, is down is down to four points. So presumably that's, that's the next step and is the aim to try and yeah. hit them now. Yeah, obviously. I mean, thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, it's four points. We've got a game in hand, I think. But uh, a lot of the teams have got games in hand in the top six. So um, it'd be nice to catch them. We've got to play them away yet. So they're all big games. We've got Bolton at home. Stephen is your own. Barnsley away. So we've got, a, obviously, a lot of big games left. So, 
yeah, it's just about keeping the group fighting fit. And then if you can get in the top spot, obviously, but it'd be great. But I would take a, um, I would obviously take a top two spot now and uh, how how it ends up at the end of the season, you know, um, we could be pleased with a playoff spot. But while you're in there, you've just got to go for gold and you've got to keep going for the top uh, and see where it ends, see where you end up. And are you happy with the, the squad that you've managed to assemble and certainly keep hold of as well? Because um, just linking back to when you were last on the pod, I think um, you were looking at the potential of, um, of of another striker and possibly having that golden 15 to 20 goalless season striker, which everybody's after. Are you happy with what you're um, what you've got for the for the remainder of yeah. the season? Obviously, yeah. you have to say yes, don't you? Yeah, I know I do. Don't I? <laughs> I mean, if we do this off the record, I'll be raging. No, no, it's been it's been okay. The window's been okay. I kept Ryan Iambi, which was a big thing. Uh, he's just come back from the African nation, so that's good. The owner kindly thwarted off the Brighton's uh, um, affections towards my centre half, so that's good. Max Bird uh, is signed for Bristol City, a very good midfielder, but he's staying with us till the end of the season, so that's the best result in a bad situation, possibly. I signed Corey Blackett Taylor from Charlton, got him injured after one day's training with me, so that's not so great. But we didn't get a striker, unfortunately, and and as always, every team wants it. They're the, probably the most important part of your team, I hate to admit. But if someone can't put it in the net and you have the ball for 90% of the game, you're not going to win. You need that goal threat. And we were looking for someone who was quick on the shoulder. I love to have pace up top. I think it's a real threat. So um, we didn't get that. But I played Mendes Lang up there on Saturday. Unfortunately, he scored. So that's good. But um, no, so as as a whole, sorry, I'm waffling. Uh, I I was reasonably pleased with the window. But... um, as every football fan in the country would tell you, you always want more. So the striker became elusive for us, unfortunately. You've mentioned about Afcon there. Did you lose any other players to to that competition, or was it was it just the one? No, just just lost him. I had I've signed uh, Ibu Adams from Cardiff, who was at Forest Green a couple of years ago. I signed him, and he was out there as well. So I had to wait for him to come back before I could get that done. But. No, I just lost um, Ryan Iambi, my uh, right back, who's ledge. So just glad to get him back uh, happy and healthy. So, uh, yeah, so it's eyes down for full house now to get to the summer in the top two. So I'm sure the listeners to this will be eyeing a double promotion with, with Derby and Yeovil. I'm sure that they'll be cheering and obviously you on they would, far. They, And obviously they would put Derby above that, wouldn't they? They would... Because obviously my relationship with the club years ago, they think, God, it'd be lovely for Warney to get a promotion. And if we go up as well as a Brucey bonus, but really we'd love to see Warney uh, do it first, which is a nice gesture from hence why Yeovil are such good supporters. The fan base are really good and they they just they just give back, which I really appreciate. And right. alphabetical order, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> AD, were you coming in there? I was just going to say, of course, you've got uh, you've got a new uh, compatriot in the league now, apparently, according to the papers today. A yeah, certain Mr. Nate Jones. Yeah, yeah, he was at the game Saturday. I didn't see him though, in fairness. But yeah, he's he's taken over at Charlton's reins now. I think I don't know if that's the third manager this season, but uh, he's inheriting a uh, a really good squad. Because if you look at their squad, it's it's a joke what players they've got. They've got like. They've signed all like champ players this window virtually. So um, if he gets them cooking, they'll have a good run at it to the end of the season. They're probably I know there's always one or two teams who overachieve in a season or what people perceive as overachievement. And there's always a couple that are underachieving and Charlton are definitely in the latter with what they've got. So I expect Nath to um, 
make a good go at it there. He, he worked there before. I think, was he not a youth team coach there or something before, I think? Yes, because um, the, the goalkeeping coach that we had, I can't think of his name, but he played for Middlesbrough, was it? Is that who worked for Nate? Is it that good-looking dude? Tall guy, yeah. Yeah, handsome, wasn't he? Standing beside Nate, you've got to look handsome, though, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. He scored in a, in a Wembley Cup final, I think, but I, I cannot for the life of me think of his name. Nice guy. Whilst you're on and you're, you're, you've got a certain amount of technical knowledge here, can you tell me what a medial collateral ligament is and how bad it is? Uh, what number is it? Has, a, has the player had a scan? I presume it's a knee and it's on the, um, it's on the outside medial. Um, who, who is it and how was it done? Martinez on Saturday, Sunday. Body twist. Coachella, whatever his name is, fell on him and sort of somehow managed to get their legs all twisted up and... Uh, yeah. Oh, you're on about your Man United player. Hey, Sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, we've, we've, gone, we've gone early there, Paul, by the looks of things. <laughs> Straight on to United. Yeah, I think yeah. That, yeah, it is on the outside of the knee. So if he's, if he's tweaked his medial, he could be out for eight weeks, could be out for six months. It depends if it's one that's severe enough to be operable. Apparently he's not having an operation, it says. No. Supposed to be back after the international break in March. So fingers crossed. Oh, that's not a bad guess. Eight weeks, six to eight weeks. Yeah. I mean, I know this is your podcast, not mine, but I'm going to ask you a question now. What are you thinking about Rashford? I think he's got the wrong people around him. I think he's got some bad influences around him, quite honestly. Does he not have to take responsibility, though? He's not like 11, is he? He must no. realise he has to run back like every other teammate. He must realise he has to make... I mean, I do get that. He's got bad advisors. But what advisors would say, look, don't try, mate. You look better. Don't try. I, I didn't really mean advisors. I meant more oh. sort of drinking buddies, should we call them? I actually think, controversially, a few months ago, I thought he was having a breakdown. Mm. Uh, I just thought there's something not quite right here. Footballers don't suddenly go from being, you know, that level to that level without something significant. So that's why I don't like commenting on players, really, <laughs> now I've said it. But as in, you just don't know what's going on in his personal life, do you? Because it has an absolute drop-off. And I know that the usual argument is he's earning this amount of money and Maybe he's got too much, his wallet's weighing him down, the usual jokes. But there's something fundamentally gone wrong. I just don't understand why he looks so apathetic now. It's, it's sad to see, really. He seems to be making a, a, a slight improvement lately, the last couple of games, I thought. But, you know, he scored a goal and, uh, well, admittedly, he didn't do much else after he scored the goal. But nonetheless, he seems not to like, be... Uh, hey, it's not like the good old days. United used to have a lad who could go out and get drunk in Belfast and play with a hangover. Glory yeah. days. Oh, Even yes. with a decent pitch. Pure mud, heavy ball. Um, and that's just weird, isn't it? It's just, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I like watching United and I like, I like Rashford, but he does one thing in a game now and you're nearly celebrating the fact he wasn't completely rubbish. He'd done something, which is a, a bad fall from grace. It's a low bar, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It is a yeah. low bar, you're right, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, we've still got a few weeks to go yet for the season, so things could dramatically improve. I don't know whether they will or not, but uh, one lives in hope. Yeah, that's all you can do as a football fan. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, how do you think you would have handled that situation? Or like you say, it's difficult to say because there might have been you know, other stuff going on yeah. that obviously we just don't know. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, in fairness, they, they would have tried everything. They're cleverer people work at that football club than me, but... I mean, they'd have gone through every single process. So it'd have been like, you know, like with my players after every game on a Monday, apart from today, because I give them it off. But we sit down and have meetings with the group to show them where things are going right and where things aren't going so great. 
but if there's an individual whose performances have dropped off to that extent, they wouldn't play, <laughs> truth be told, even though they're a superstar, you just can't play them. But I would sit down and have meetings with them and show them, like, you know, these levels aren't acceptable. And then I'd, you know, speak to the fitness coaches and see his GPS data. Is he running as much as he did last year? If not, why not? Is his diet changed? Has And you just try and scrutinise. And But fundamentally, you just want to speak to the lad. Because the lad might be, look, I, I, I need help. I'm struggling and the pressure's got to me or I'm in bad form. I need to do something different. Or And I would have thought the investment in the player, Man United would have done all of this. And hopefully he'll wake up one day and it'll all click back. But I just don't get, I, I understand people are going in bad form and I understand, you know, you can have demons and it isn't easy to play in front of 80,000 people every week if you're not playing well. I understand all that. The thing I don't understand is why there looks like a real lack of effort. Because I think for United fans, if he ran around like a lunatic, tackled back, ran forward, but things weren't working out for him, I still think they'd sing his name and applaud him. But it's just the fact he doesn't look interested, which makes me think it could be something, um, you know, he could be going through a personal crisis. That's that's my theory. But what do I know? Just a guess. With your former player hat on, yeah. Uh, if you were in the, the same dressing room as Marcus Rashford, what would your approach be as a player now, a fellow player of him? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, players get on well. They sit on the back of the bus. They normally blame the manager for their lack of form. That's the go-to one. But it's been going on a long period of time. But it would be like the seniors would speak to him, really. The captain would speak to him. And then you'd probably just offer your services, really. Saying, like, do you want to meet for coffee next week, mate? And then just go and talk to him and be a, a bit nicely plump with him, I think. And just sort of say, look, is everything all right, mate? Because you just don't see yourself on the pitch. Do you think? And, and you'd give him an excuse to see if he took it. So you would say, oh, do you think it's the, do you think it's because we train differently now? Or do you think we're overtraining? Or do you think we're undertraining? Or just see what he comes up with. And like I said, he might, it might just be a cry for help. It might just be that. Something's happening in his personal life that he can't shake off, or I don't know. It's just suddenly become too much. I, I don't know. I like to think the best in everyone. I just can't believe that he's suddenly inherently lazy. Rumor has it that there was a, a, a member of the opposite sex involved in some sort of an argument with him on the uh, the night before the uh, booze up. I don't know. I mean, that happens, doesn't it? And in fairness, some players take it better than others. I mean, you'd be surprised to know that most young men who earn very good money have many issues away from football, be it, you know, loads of different things. There are many people, you never, I mean, I know it's different for you, H, but many people go through their married life without a crossword or anything, but he has, <laughs> he has to be, um, he has to be, he has to be able to detach from that when he comes through the gates at the training ground, but maybe he can't. I mean, I have players say to me sometimes, it's ridiculous, things like, Look, Gaff, I'd be a lot better if you played me every game. And I'm well, well, I can't play you every game unless you're better. It's not like a charity. I've got people watching this, by the way. Or if, 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 I just need to, I, I want to feel that you trust me more. Well, I will trust you more if you do as I want you to do. And there's always a, players always blame something else. And I, like I said, I presume they've had loads of conversations with him and, you know, tried to get to the bottom of it. And, and maybe he's just taking small steps. But unfortunately for United, because they're not doing great, they keep playing him, hoping that, oh, this will be the game. Whereas I, I would play him significantly less, personally. but Because he doesn't look like he's comfortable on the football pitch at the moment. But I haven't watched every minute of every game, by the way. So maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but he just doesn't look the same kid. OK, thank you for that opinion. OK, it's probably very invalid, but it's mine, so I'll keep it. Yeah, why not? <laughs>
Tom, you've been quiet for the moment. You went all the way up to, where was it? Maidstone. Maidstone, not, not up, then across to Maidstone. We lost, which was unfortunate. How did you see the game? The first half hour, maybe 40 minutes, was probably one of the the, the worst most uncharacteristic performances I've seen from us this season. Second half, we looked much more like ourselves. Still not quite at the races, but that first 30 minutes, they killed us. They were all over us. As much as I can sit here and, and talk bad about um, our performance, it's credit to Maidstone as well, because they were absolutely brilliant. Pressed well from the front. They were organised when we did get the ball. Reese Greenwich had an absolutely fantastic game as well, just heading it long. Any chance you could get, as we just kind of hoofed it up a lot, which was, again, un unlike us. So I think there's nothing to worry about. I mean, it's just a blip as far as I'm concerned. Maybe not even that, but they definitely deserve the win, I think. And uh, it was a, a real shame to see some of the, the behaviour of the fans sort of in the aftermath of that and even throughout the game as well. What actually happened with the fans? Because I, I read something, but I could, they didn't go into details. I mean, what exactly went wrong? I think, at least from what I've I've been told by people that were in the the whole scenario it was just a six of one half a dozen of the other it was kind of maidstone's fault and yeovil's fault they're kind of both as bad as each other it's a, a weird rivalry that maidstone and yeovil have anytime they've played each other they've all they've always been kind of very hostile with each other and there didn't really a, appear to be any um straight cause for it other than just literally going at each other and it kind of went a bit overboard but so I believe, or was it fisticuffs or what? I think that I think there were fisticuffs after the game. Uh, there was a bloke that got on our coach going home that had a cut in his face. I think he'd come from the train station. Whether that was something organised post match or, or or throughout or, or whatever, I think there were fisticuffs post game. People were trying to get under the tarpaulin to break the the divide between the two. So there were definitely attempts from both sides to try and get at each other physically. But there was, there were coins, there were bottles, there was all sorts. Sort of going back and forth, pyros were being let off as well, which was embarrassing, really, because we laughed at Bath for setting off a pyro at 2 0 down, and yet at 2 0 down, we set one off. So we're as bad as them. Go to the next game on, on Saturday against Tunbridge and see if we can bounce back. And to come 24 hours after the club putting out a statement about supporters' behaviour is a bit poor, really, isn't it? Yeah. And from what I, I mean, I didn't go to St Albans from, from what I heard, though. Everyone was very well behaved. St Albans fans had nothing but nice words about us. So it felt strange for the statement to come out anyway. But when you think about perhaps other fixtures we've had where there may well have been troubles involved, it seems strange then that the troubles do then kick off. Again, probably the worst game we could have had, uh, maybe other than Weymouth, following a statement like that. But yeah, it would have, um, would have been nice to see everybody get on and... The atmosphere was good, but it just boiled over. It was just there was no need for it from from either side. Did you at any point work out what the formation was, Tom? Because it made no sense <laughs> looking at it as a list of players. Dave and I did the commentary last Tuesday, and Worthy just filled in at right back, and it made sense, and it was obvious what had happened. Whereas, what do you think, Tom? What was it? What was that formation? Well, Ian Randall had it down as a three-five-two, which I took his word for, and. We would have assumed that would have meant Whittle as a wing back and Fulston as a centre back. However, Fulston was a winger, but we also had Pearson and Young and Low Everton. So we thought that Low Everton would have been a 10 and then you'd have Nuble up top, but Nuble was a 10 and Pearson was up top. So we had a left back in left wing 
we had a number 10 as our striker and our striker as a 10. We had Worthington not at right back, but in midfield. So when you had the ball or when you didn't have the ball. Yes. <laughs> to, both, to both. Worthington was, it felt almost positionless at times because I couldn't work out if Williams was a right back or a centre back because he was. Was anyone on that side of the pitch? Did that, what system did they play? They played a 3 5 2 and then out of possession of 5 3. So they're, they're wing yeah, backs yeah, dropped. Yeah. But Worthington, I found him a lot of the time in the middle of the park, but you had Low Everton and Hours there. So he wasn't really a right back, but it was almost like it was like a 3 3 4 1. Fluid. No, I can't wow. count. 3 2 4 1, I guess. It was, a, it was really, really odd. You didn't play like um, a five box one, like a two tens behind a nine. You didn't play it like that, did you? Two tens, one nine, and a right back who just went rogue. It could have been. <laughs> it could honestly. It, it would have made sense for us to just fill in and say Worthington was right back, but I don't think I saw him play right back once. Uh, he was wow. so central. Ours was central. Low Everton was central, which then clustered the midfield. Fulston was definitely a winger. He spent a lot of time further up the field. And he was on the same side as Jordan Young, but Jordan Young was also a winger. So we had it was a it was a complete car crash. To Maybe be honest. it confused and, the players considering the result. <laughs> it, it, it could have, yeah. It, we played long ball as well for the first half hour. No, which, well, that's definitely not like you lot. No, no. I mean, one all going long to Young. You kind of expect that because he takes it down, then goes along the wing. But it was just hoofing it up to Sam Pearson, who's five foot eight, five foot nine. Reese Greenwich is like six foot five. So it was just him heading it away the whole time. It it really didn't make too much sense to me. Second half, we were much more like ourselves, ball on the floor, patient in build up, um, some good chances. And we probably could have got a draw if Alex Fisher was not blocking the goal by accident. We we could have rescued a draw. So we gave it a good go. Was the hoofing like um because their pressure was so good, yeah. they couldn't see a pass, so they were just getting it away from their own danger, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it. I mean, so it's credit to the opposition as much yes. as it is. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. As much as we weren't very good, Maidstone were great pressing yeah. us and, and in possession and out of possession. They were patient. They created good chances on, on both wings um, and both their new signings scored. I mean, Matt Rush, great signing. Um, I think he's on like seven goals now for the season and Mo Fowles got three and three for them. So a man in form in Nublé's shape, I would have been quite happy if we'd signed him, to be honest. So they got some good players. It was just unfortunate that we looked off the pace and they were very much on it. There's a bloke who sits behind the commentary box at Hewish Park who thinks that's the way to play. Get it up there. Get it it forward. Get it forward. (laughs) Whichever way you play, there's always one fan who wants the complete opposite. Do they have to be in earshot, though? Yeah, mate, honestly. It's worse for you. How many? What's the average attendance up there, Paul? 29. And they all know how to do it better than you. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fairness, they're probably right. I, I don't <laughs> disagree with any of them. But if they could just stick to a theory. I, I heard that uh, my friend went to the Bolton game at the weekend and they drew at home to Barnsley. And the fans are moaning they're playing too much football now. Mm, I is... honestly think we're football fans. If the team wins, they don't care how it looks. If the team doesn't win, whichever way it looks is wrong. Yeah. So if you play total football and you don't win, get the ball in the box. If you get the ball in the box and you don't win, play total football. It's just about winning. And in, in fairness, if these are the same people who shout abuse and then fight with the opposition 
Yeah, uh, that blows my mind. I don't remember anything, H, when I was there, about any crowd trouble we over. That's blown my mind you said that at the start. I, I can't believe it. Is it the level or... I don't remember that in the league, in League One ever. Well, there was a whole load of stuff on West Brom and Wolves, wasn't there, in the FA Cup? So that was the day before. Whether that, Yeah, just... I know, but I get that. I mean, I went to watch Wolves-Brentford the game before that, the FA Cup replay, because I was watching a player. And the Wolves fans were singing about how much they disliked the West Brom fans the whole game so i thought oh it's going to be trouble that's why they kicked off at like half seven in the morning that, there are there is another reason <laughs> for the trouble at that particular game if you listen to the preview pod that we did prior to the the wolves west <laughs> brom game dave Pryor attempted a birmingham accent and i, I think he upset <laughs> both sets of fans yeah. and they that's decided what, to take well, out on each other petrol on a fire I don't know whether that's a cue to come in with another one or not no <laughs> it's definitely not you upset people prior I think I can quickly address why I think there's been, well, quote unquote, more fan trouble this year as opposed to previous years. It's because you can drink on terraces now because we're yeah. so low. We probably, we've not been this low since the 90s. And that was probably the last time we had any kind of reputation for doing such a thing. So may well have been that. It's a newfound freedom, so let's abuse it. Tom, was there anybody that seemed to be noticeably um, missing from the Oval team that you felt was it was one of the reasons why they were so disjointed in the first half? I mean, you know, we've got to <laughs> Tom. I know, I know who you're I, I know who Tom's going to say. I know Charlie, miss. Charlie I know. Cooper was a massive miss. Charlie Cooper was yeah. a massive miss. Both and, of them, both of them were a massive miss. Michael Smith was a, a, a massive miss. There you miss go. Well. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think even if we'd, yes, yeah, Smith has had a hamstring tweak a couple of weeks, I think. Cooper, I was surprised he wasn't in on the day. Uh, we didn't really know there was a knock. I think it, I might have remembered there was a knock on the Slough game. He did now. take some punishment on the Slough game, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, so would you be aware spot. of... Um, sorry, Tom. Paul, would you be aware of Michael Smith? Because um, he's been loved and adored since he came in in the summer. I think it was the summer, wasn't it? Or yeah. just, just after. He's a Northern Irish international, well into his 30s, and he played for Hearts in the Europa Conference League last season, and he joined Yeovil in the summer and has been an absolute revelation uh, at right back. And uh, Tom's a big fan, aren't you? As we all are. But I mean, in fairness, I had a Michael Smith. I tried to sign in the window. Uh, and I always think of the dance player. So if there's another amazing Michael Smith, this is just too much little heart to bear. I'm now Googling him as we chat. See if I recognise Tom's him. thinking, you didn't try and sign him away in the summer. No, in the summer, not my you? Michael. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. If you have any questions about Michael Smith, Paul, I'm, I'm sure that Tom could, could fill you in adequately. He's quite knowledgeable on this subject. He's 35. Is that right, Tom? Yep. In fairness to him, he does look a lot older. Yeah, he gets that a lot. He's got that silver <laughs> fox about him, yeah. <laughs> but he's been good, has he? How, how did the Oval tempt him? I mean, in fairness, it's as I well know, it's a long way from uh, Ireland and Scotland. So how? how, um, how despite why? that, I think it was geographical, Tom, wasn't it? Because I think his family it's were not living relations in, in Bristol. I think, yeah. Oh, yes. So yeah. Oh, Sometimes you'd get lucky like that, don't you? Mm. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. Cooper had said he was um, keeping tabs on it. He, he'd moved back down. He had a trial at Cheltenham in the summer. They they didn't pick it up on him, and he was given an offer to go back to Scotland and play for Dundee United. And uh, he sort of thought about it and was, was nearly going to take it a big pay packet as well. Obviously it's top division football and um, Cooper sort of caught wind and, and uh, gave in an offer and thought, well, I'm 35 now. Why not? 
he must be paying a decent amount anyway for it. But he's been absolutely fantastic. Just should be nowhere near this level. And uh, thank God we have him. I mean, in fairness, normally when you get players in the level that are way above the level, for the first few, three, four, five games, you think, wow, they're amazing. But then they sort of get sucked into it, I think. So it sounds, well, it doesn't sound awful. It's the truth, in my opinion, that to keep consistently playing above the level throughout the season is testament to who he is as a man and as a footballer. Because I, I, I've seen many a good player drop and then initially you think, wow, and then you think, well, they didn't look any better than anybody else on the pitch. But if you're, uh, if, if your player, I was going to say something that you can't anymore, but if the player that you really like is, is still playing at that level, then fair play. And you are going to miss him in the bigger games. And if Maidstone away is a bigger game with a hostile crowd and your right back goes walkabout, then there's a good chance you, you missed him even greater. Have you had that same sort of experience with the likes of Conor Hurahan, who has obviously had plenty of Premier League experience and, and Sonny Bradley who joined as well? I, have you had any sort of experience like that where you feel they might have sort of dropped off a bit because they've had to drop down the leagues no not not really i i mean the 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 difference between the the top of league one and the bottom of the champ isn't that massive it is between the top and the top but it's more the fact that excuse me age catches up with them as it does with every player although no player wants to admit it so if you have a calf injury when you're in your mid-30s it lasts three weeks and it probably will come back. If you get it in your early 20s, it might last two days and won't come back for 10 years. So I think that's the bigger problem. And sometimes, and this is only a feeling, but this isn't fair because they're really good, dedicated pros. But when you go and play where there's hardly any fans and the pitch ends are great, you're thinking, I bet it's hard for them to get up for this. They seem to. And the better players seem to be able to do it. But the lesser players who drop down the leagues, I think, really struggle with it. Because they go from playing, let's just say, and this isn't Conor Hoover, but he goes for playing for Aston Villa, then he goes to Sheffield United. Then, for example, last year at Derby, he goes to, and this is always the classic one, so I apologise to any Accrington fans, but then you go and play Accrington in front of 3,000. Yeah, <laughs> in front of 3,000. It's a bit of a drop-off. But like I said, the dedicated players don't see it like that. They just want to play and perform and be great. And that obviously what sounds like um, he must be nicknamed Smudger. He must be. Yes. No. Oh, nailed on. on. I feel like I know him now. How do you <laughs> do it, Paul? Just some sort of special sense I've got. Paul, do you listen to a Totally Football Show podcast? No. Only I was listening to it today. Strangely enough, with you coming on, obviously you got credit on it. What? You did. My mum was my mum on it. Jenny. No, it wasn't your mum. It was a professional oh. reporter. But they were talking about the rinsing that Dan Byrne got at the weekend by uh, Chidozi. Oh, by Benny, my yeah. player. And they, they credited you with turning him into a wingback. Wow. So there you go. If your ears were burning, that was what... Well, I keep, I keep checking my post most days to see if Chio sent me anything to say yeah. thank you. But of yet, no. But it's, it's still early in the season, isn't it? If they stay up, maybe he'll send me a... You could be me. responsible for Luton Town staying up. How do, how do you feel yeah. about that? If Luton Town do go down, right, and I'm not so sure they will. I mean, I really like the manager. When I played against him when he was manager at Watford, he's a great guy after the game. But if they do go down, and this sounds a bit weird, it's the best way to go down, isn't it? They're having yeah. a right go. Like, the fans have got something to sing about. And, like, if they did that next year, if they did stay up, next year it would be unbelievably tough because most people have sussed them out but they're a joy and I think they're a massive addition to the Premier League Now we've been saying this yeah. all season haven't we as it's evolved through the season talking about Luton because everybody had the three promoted teams as your bankers to yeah. go down and yeah. Luton have sort of played themselves into this position where now 
you want someone else, probably Forrest, to drop down into those relegation places because it would be quite cool. We love an underdog story, don't we, as, as, as Brits? Love an underdog. But I think uh, Luton have, in their last five, six games, have won three, drawn one, which is bordering on top six form, really, that amount of points. Four goals at St. James's. I well, know let's that, talk about that. Let's talk about I know, that. Now. I, know, I know they're on their knees, Newcastle. But have they got very, injuries, very... Paul? Have you have you heard any, <laughs> anything through the grapevine? Got injuries. Yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. Have they got? Nobody's mentioned it. <laughs> Every week, they've got, they've got a lot. Have they? Hey, I tell you what, though. You know, I mean, I like I like I like Eddie Howe, so this isn't a criticism. But in the summer, the FA changed the ruling with. I coaches. like where you're going you know, with this. Have you heard? Do you know what this keep is? Keep going. No, keep going. I like it. Okay, so they changed the ruling in the summer, we were told specifically because uh, Eddie and Jason stand up the whole time. Then the goalkeeping coach stands up. Then the, someone else stands up. And there's that many people stand up. It's intimidating for the fourth official and no one can see. So they changed the rule. So all of us who stand up as like me and Rich stand opposite ends of the um technical area but we both stand up most of the time but they change the rule now but every time I watch match of the day and watch Newcastle play they're both still standing up and I'm thinking we've changed the rule for them and they they're not being policed blows they're my not, mind they're not the only ones did did you did you see the Arsenal manager breaking the hundred meters record right. last night right I, that, I've got a real issue with that that is beyond class yeah. that you can't do that I, I'm not having it. I appreciate it's an emotional sport and Arsenal fans will say, yes, really good. It isn't really good. And if you're, the, if you're in the other technical area, you feel like like disgusted by it. Like, look, I appreciate you're excited. I'll shake your hand at the end, celebrate, but you can't do that. And in fairness as well, which is a bit embarrassing, they didn't win the league last night, did they? Didn't they? Nobody <laughs> like, they told Odegaard. One game, one game, an important game, but one game. And I, I think... Weirdly, and, and I'm probably on my own here. It smells a little bit desperate. It smells it makes them like look desperate, doesn't it? All yeah, the justifications because... for it make them seem like they're desperate. Would, I just would... don't think Pep and Klopp would do that. Well, the we... only thing they could they could have done. Left. Well, the only the only thing that Arsenal could have done that would have been more embarrassing would have been get all the players out to stand in a line at West Brom, <laughs> holding hands and salute. Uh, but don't you think that? Tom, don't you think that would be really embarrassing if a manager got his team to do that? Let's talk about Newcastle-Luton. Um... By the way, uh, Paul, if if we now mention Manchester City's 115 charges, we've mentioned Jason Tindall, oh. we've uh, mentioned Arteta, I can push off. My work here You're is done, done. that's me finished. <laughs> I've listened to many a podcast on the Man City thing. Wow, there's some good there's some good information out there on the Man City thing. But they'll, never, they'll just keep throwing more and more money at the legality of it. It will never come to fruition until I'm dead. A little bit of Dave died when you said that. He thought, no, I thought we were steering this in a good direction. <laughs> and Hyatt's done it. He's got us down Man City. No, forget Man City. Let's go back to talking about Arteta and Tyndall. <laughs> have you ever met um, Tyndall, Paul? Presumably you have. Yeah, I have, yeah. Is all the... Um, Is he that brown in real life? <laughs> I'll go for that first. Is he... I, I went to... When I was... Uh, I went there on trial. When I was at Wigan, I went to Bournemouth for a week on trial and he was one of the players there. So I sort of know him just to say hello to, but that's it. But it's very difficult for me to critique uh, who, people. If Derby played Newcastle, yeah, whose hand would you shake first? 
I think you know my answer here, don't you? You <laughs> always shake the manager's hand. And the assistant manager should never stand in front of the manager and shake hands first. I mean, it's all just... about etiquette, is it? Yeah. It's just a it's just a respect thing. It's uh, all I... about Tyndall. Always. We have We've got double reason to hate him as well. Paul can't he, be seen to be saying that because no. that's what will get clipped up. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. just saying we'll cut that, that out. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, Morning. He's... What do you think about uh, Mr. Klopp? This announcement. We haven't had a chance to ask. Well, him about I, okay, great. Well, in fairness, he's done. Uh, what have I done? I've nearly done seven and a half years, and I'm exhausted. He's done 18 years on the spin, and it doesn't matter what money you earn. I don't. If someone throws that one at me, I think that he's just exhausted. And I think he's thinking it's a good time to get out. He's built another team. He's had a good crack at it. All his family live in Germany. Let's just take some time out. He'll come back, guaranteed, like Pep did when he had a year in New York. But I just think he's just exhausted. And if he is exhausted, he's entitled not to do it anymore, in my opinion. So it's no different than anybody else, is it? So he's done 18 years on the spin at that level. I mean, it's hard enough at my level, let alone at the, the elite of the elite of the elite. So I just think that he's he's made the right decision. So, And, and if he comes I, back, do you see him coming back as national coach? Yeah, I think so. Or something that just really, I don't know, something that grabs him. He's quite, he's a likeable bloke. I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I can't but like him. And when I met him, he's so big. Like, literally, he could have said, do you mind putting my, you know, my shopping in my car for me? And I'd be like, yeah, Jürgen, where would you put your bags? He's, he's massive. He's like, he's just a <laughs> colossal, like, beautiful man. He's got a lovely smile. He's not arrogant, I don't think, but you might think differently because you're a big man you, aren't you? But he's just mm-hmm. a good bloke and he'll be missed in the Premier League. But I think he'll end up with a national job or he might be tempted with, I don't know, a Bayern Munich. Well, Nagelsmann's got it till the end of the Euros, hasn't he? So presumably uh, there's a vacancy. You can see there that happening, that. can't you? Yeah, you can see that. I, you just can't see him walking away from the game. But um, I do under, you can understand it, though, sure. I mean, you can't do it forever. And it's all, I mean, he's won I, loads of times on LMA dues. There's people saying, look, you're not a real manager till you've been sacked, Warnie. And I'm like, oh, is that really? is that really a thing? And I look at the best managers and like Klopp hasn't been sacked, has he? Pep hasn't been sacked. And maybe they have a natural sort of feel of, look, I've given everything. I've done everything I can. I've obviously got an amazing set of players, by the way. But It's that the trilogy, Paul. It, it, it's Guardiola, Klopp, Warren. That, 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 that is it. That, that, that is I, it. I mean, I can't even tell you who's in fourth. I just know the top three. They're the only ones I know. Because in the current football climate, not to get sacked. I mean, not me. I don't mean it like this. I mean, like the clocks and the peps and that are so good. I mean, even Mourinho must have been sacked three or four times. The Italian who I really like, is he Italian? That's wrong. That's awful for me to say that. But the Brighton manager, he isn't Italian. Yeah, he's but, Italian. Oh, he is, yeah. Oh, he's Italian, is yeah. he? Great ball knowledge. Beautiful. Oh, okay. So he's coached loads of times in Italy, hasn't he? But I think he's been sacked six or seven times. So there are different paths, in, obviously. And uh, and if you get your first job right, like Klopp did, he probably opened more doors. So in fairness, in conclusion, because I'm waffling, um, really like Klopp, really sad to see him go, but he won't be out of the game for long, I don't think. Talking about managers, Paul, did you see that ridiculous uh, rumour that somebody, probably himself, had started it, that... Jose thought he had unfinished business and he was looking to get back to United. That can't be true. 
Yeah, well, that's what I thought, but I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was normal. He, he was, he was linked ah. with going back to Chelsea for a third spell today, so I think it's all rubbish oh, to be quite. That goes back to our conversation earlier about what fans want to see football wise. Mourinho brought the most success, I would have thought, since Ferguson, but the fans didn't like the the football, did they? No. Would United fans take him back? to get trophies over the appeal of the game. What I would say is I'll just interject and I'll say, for any listeners, uh, just revert back to a couple of pods the other day when Rick was talking to Paul Thorpe and you'll hear Rick's opinions on Jose Mourinho's football. and that he Thank you. Wouldn't Nobody, have nobody wants to hear me go through that again. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you holding your breath. I can see <clears throat> it's too much. After the pod, Paul, yeah. we'll send you Tom Bailey's Michael Smith dossier. Okay. And my, my rant about Mourinho was yeah, something to look both. forward to, mate. I'll enjoy both. Did you <laughs> know that the staff Somerset a branch of the Derby County uh, fan club being uh, um, generated down here? Because they came up again last weekend, I'm told. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, when he came up last time, I um, I saw him. And then he texted me the other week to say, I think the lads are doing great, which is always nice. Normally, I yeah. get death threats. So to get a text is quite nice. <laughs> yeah, quite. Rob and uh, Steve came up last weekend, I think. So, uh, yeah, they're dead keen. Oh, it's not exactly a quick trip, is it, to Derby? I don't know how you get there, but I suppose they drove up. I don't know. But, I mean, worryingly, wherever you leave Yeovil, you have to go on the A303. So it's always played with hold-ups somewhere. Hmm. No, not now. I would not to Derby. You'd get on the motorway, surely, wouldn't you? I always thought you always had to get on the A three hundred three for at least a minute to get out of the Oval. Do you not? Am I dreaming it? I'm having these dreams. It for feels the- like it. Many a time on a team bus, I've sat looking at Stonehenge, thinking, "Oh, come on, we must have all seen it by now." <laughs> why did with Stonehenge? Why did they build it so close to the road? That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you could see it when you slowed down. It was perfect. Is that what it's for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get a good view from there. Just thinking as well, I've only just thought about this. The A303, you end up on that road, whichever side of Yeovil you leave. Because if you leave near the football ground, that yeah. takes you on the A303. If you go out the other way through Queen Campbell, you also end up at the A303. Either way you go, you end up there. I don't know how that's happened. Well, not not if you're going from Crookham End, you don't. You you wouldn't go on. You'd go um, straight onto the... Taunton Road, whatever it is, A3. I mean, I feel like I can hear loads of listeners turning off. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> but in regards to the Stonehenge uh, designers, engineers, they're just disappointed that they didn't put it both sides of the road. That's where they went missed wrong. Missed a trick. Yeah. They should have. They should have gone under the stones. Well, you <laughs> can't see them, gone. David. If you're underground, you miss the stones completely, you idiot. <laughs> Honestly, I'm trying to carry one of those stones across the 303. Ooh, no wonder the traffic's are slow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, back to you, Dave. <laughs> back to me, Dave. Like there's been a running order tonight. <laughs> um, Dave, you can make your name now because it's not very often you get the opportunity to ask a question of, by his own admission, the third best manager currently operating in the English game. <laughs> well, well, maybe number four is uh, Neil Warnock because I see that he's, he's in Scotland now. Up- He's just taking, yeah, he's taking the Aberdeen job, considering he's got a house in Newquay, is it? I mean, that's quite, it's quite, quite the, uh, quite the commute past the 303, yeah. (laughs) Surprised, Paul? Uh, No, not, well, yeah, a little bit. I was surprised, I'm not surprised he's back in work, he loves it, 
and uh, and obviously I work for him, so I've seen him in uh, in the work environment where he is led with players. He, he he doesn't do loads of coaching, but he just makes players feel really good about themselves. And sometimes football is overcomplicated by coaching, so he definitely gets the best out of the group. So I, I always knew that he'd come back in because he can't help himself. He loves it. But I, I didn't see, I didn't see him going to Aberdeen. I, I don't. I've got a sneaky feeling he isn't going to be up there all week, every single week of the season. Hmm. I think he might be getting the odd cheeky flight up there on a late Wednesday night, Thursday or something, and then flying back. But um, hopefully enjoy it. And like he's probably a breath of fresh air up there, really, because they really speak to the Rangers and Celtic manager on TV. So now he's up there. He'll have a, he'll probably be uh, grabbing some of the media highlights, I'd have thought. Of course, it's always difficult when you've got to fly, isn't it? Because they never put the airports in a convenient place to the football ground, do they? I mean, it's most inconsiderate, I think. I mean, in fairness to Neil, he's earned so much money, he's actually got a runway on his property. So <laughs> I think when he comes back, it won't be so bad in his private jet to land on his garden. But yeah, you're right. When he goes up there, he might have to parachute in. Might have to just parachute. Yeah, that's, a, that's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah. Not... Uh, Michael Owen used to do, didn't he? He used to go in his helicopter to the training ground at Newcastle, didn't he? Type I remember when Andrew Paddock had his own helicopter at Somerset and he used to fly around with it, which was always looked upon as being a bit flash. A bit flash. Mm, just a I bit. Like you. Oh, just a bit. You're not wrong. Although, obviously, I'm getting good at this uh, Yeovil chat. It's um, helicopters are made there, aren't they? I've got my yeah, A3. Get yeah. you. Have you been I, local? I've, I've, I've left the place, but I haven't really. It's always in your heart, Paul. Always. Yeah, I mean, that... I still have night tremors about the A303, but I'm having therapy. Me and uh, me and the man you strike it, having therapy together. Oh, right. Just stay off, stay off the tequilas. You'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I won't get on them. He's probably helped me. You're not likely to go on a pre-season tour. Well, not pre-season, but a mid-season tour to Belfast. A few eyebrows will be raised over the next couple of weeks. Hey, it's a good city, Belfast, though. I did my coaching badges in Belfast. Loved it. What a city that is. Um, it's one of them European cities that seems to have got loads of grants, so everything looks like... Did you actually do your coaching badges, or is that just what you told people you were doing in <laughs> Belfast? <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. That's where my wife is listening. I, no, I did, sweetheart. I did. Like, I don't know why she's looking at me. Like, uh, yeah, I did. I got my uh, coaching badges out there. So it's good. Good, good city. Um, yeah, good crack. I think that was probably the defense of Marcus Rashford, wasn't it? That's yeah, it's good city, said, good Paul. crack. Yeah. Got round to it in the end. <laughs> I like to think, though, I came back a better coach. I can't say that he's come back a better player. I'll leave that out there. He'll come again. Yeah, he's an amazing talent, amazing player. He'll play for England for a couple of games and look unbelievable. And it might just, I don't know, realign his cognitive thought processes. I don't know. Well, talk, talking, he, he, talking about England, though, uh, just to, yeah. just chuck it, chuck it out there. How many English players were playing in the Premier League at the weekend? Say there's upwards of 30 qualified players to play for the England national team. Playing I see where weekend. we're going now. <laughs> if you were the uh, national team manager, would, would you go to watch a game in Holland oh. rather than watch those 30 players? Managed to get oh, it in at the, the end. Get it! This Henderson. Yeah. Rick's a fan, can you tell? Good Lord. We've got to cut him loose, Henderson. I could talk about him for ages. He's been a good servant, but come, we've got so many good athletic Technical, amazing midfield players, surely. I thought Kelvin Phillips had a good game. Kevin's had two assists in his first two games for West Ham. He's doing yeah. really well. <laughs> He's brilliant, hasn't he? He's fitted in nicely. Pep, Pep was right. That's why you want playing. <laughs> All of a sudden, it makes sense. Genius, genius. They were talking about uh, on Match of the Day, Barkley. 
Did you yeah, hear that? I, I, saw, yeah, that. I saw that. But yeah, yeah. I think there's more legs in that than there is continuing with Henderson. I can see the justification for that. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I can't see why Henderson didn't stay out there playing in front of 906 people trying to help grow the game. Did you but... see in his interview, he said, um, I've actually missed playing in front of an atmosphere, is what he said to the reporter. Really? And if you think Belfast is a good crack, I'm told so is Amsterdam. It has its uh, plus points, I'm sure. A lovely city is Amsterdam. Incredible stadium as well. Very, very beautiful stadium. I was just walking around in awe. I went there in the summer. That's all there is uh, to see. Nothing else to add to that. Yeah, nothing else at all. Tom, you are the only person I know that would go to Amsterdam and come back talking about football stadiums. (laughs) Hey, massive stadium. Awesome stadium. And Frank Museum, maybe. That was also very good. That's the first museum I've fully immersed myself in and gone, wow. I genuinely was really, it was a very, very um, good, good exhibit. Not many podcasts can fit in Jordan Henderson and Frank and Jason Tindall all in the same all in the same program it's a refreshing change from football I was just thinking to myself (laughs) I don't quite know what we're putting in the write-up for this episode what can you leave out of that (laughs) this week on football bloody hell the lads are joined by the third best active manager in the English game (laughs) there's your headline Um, there you go tonight not even we know it's a mystery bag Paul just linking it back to the the results of this weekend were there any stories that stood out for you any um games that have made you think cool oh, that was obviously we touched on Luton they had a big scoreline this weekend but anything else catch your eye if you do indeed have the time uh not this that exciting but Preston beating Ipswich was a bit of a uh didn't see that one coming so that was a bit of a championship shock uh Peterborough losing at home to Wigan surprised me because Wigan were 3-0 up at Peterborough and Peterborough won virtually well, nearly every game they played. Scored so, two in stoppage time, didn't they? Just not yeah, they were down to 10 men, Wigan. I think they scored a third goal when they had 10 men. So that surprised me. Although Wigan are a really good team, but sometimes the league is a bit, obviously, uh, adjusted because of the points uh, deduction. But So that surprised me. I'm trying to think of the Premier League ones. Um, in fairness, the Arsenal one did surprise me, but the errors in that game were pretty monumental so it wasn't a it wasn't a great game i was really looking forward to watching it but it wasn't a great game but wasn't a surprise to everyone <laughs> yeah rick last thursday predicted on this very podcast that arsenal would win by three goals to one so wow. you want to just revel in that for just a couple basking of basking in that one just just for a little while thank you very much that is very impressive it's even more impressive because you look more like jürgen klopp every time I'll i see you <laughs> smash your face in. oh that's <laughs> oh. Funny you should say that because did you see? If he gets them um, glasses uh, next yeah. time I come on here, I'll be buzzing. Did anyone see somebody? Somebody commented on our Facebook page a couple of weeks ago and said that Jurgen Klopp doesn't look happy in reference to Rick having his hand over his face. I miss that. Jeez, <laughs> I'm getting a so haircut. it's out there. It's out there. I'm getting a haircut and a shave. It's all Jurgen Hyatt. Yeah. So uh, that's me yeah. done. Finished. <laughs> It well, goes against right. every fibre of your being. Yeah, that, it, Rick, you yeah? could not have said anything worse than that. <laughs> Honestly. However, if you rewind back the uh, very popular podcast, you will hear how I say Jürgen is a very handsome man. So there's a compliment in there if you look deep. Also within the top three current managers in, in the country. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is obviously a highlight, yeah. Somebody I mean, by the time people listen to this, I've probably been sacked. 
So it won't be <laughs> that current. So you need to get this edited quickly. Yeah. Which is why Dave said the current Derby County manager, isn't it? This, yeah. this is yeah, actually thanks. your resignation. At, at the yeah. time of recording. Yeah. <laughs> what a lovely gesture that was. Listen as Paul Warren says goodbye to the world of football. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as we were as we were talking about um, not being sacked along those lines, I was thinking we really are tempting fate here on this podcast, aren't we? So, yeah. If I now see like my owner's number come up on my phone, like... <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> also, talking of Jurgen, I do have a a, a life size cardboard cutout in the loft of Jurgen, so I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do with that now. What kits he got on? In other what? news. Uh, he's in a suit. I think it's from when he lost the Champions League final with Dortmund, to be honest. He can't pull a suit off. So who put Jürgen in the loft? I think I did because I was told that we needed... The... Oh, you were told? He got told by his missus to put it in the loft. Yeah. yeah. Same way, H, you're not allowed a dog because your missus won't let you have a dog. Is it That's about the size of it, mate. Yep. You're not allowed a Jürgen Klopp in the house. <laughs> We did have him in the bedroom for a while, which I realise probably sounds a bit Ooh. risky. I wanted all my signed shirts in the lounge, but that particular avenue of pleasure was closed off to me, I'm afraid. You put them in your toilet downstairs? No, they're in the office here with me. <laughs> You've not got any signed Paul Warren memorabilia kicking about the name? No, no, no. I don't. I, I have got a shirt that's signed by Overton. I think Paul's is on that, yeah. Well, before yeah. we do go and wrap things up on a rather chaotic episode of Football Bloody Hell this week, Paul, when you were last on, we, we had a lengthy conversation about how good fish and chip shops were up and down the country. Do you remember this? Do I? No. You'll never believe which one of us brought it up. <laughs> oh, I don't exactly. <laughs> do, do none of you remember this? Maybe I remember, I I remember it. Yeah, as I say, I feel like I've made it up now. But uh, I was just going to say, is there anything that you can recommend? What, for H? As he goes up the 303. I can picture the ground and I can picture... Well, I can't think what the ground was. I'm just looking at all the teams in your league who are on the coast. It was a northern ground. Oh, God, they make trains there. I can't think what it's called now. Grimsby? No. Blackpool? No. York? 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 No, no, no. No, they do make trains there, though. But no, it wasn't York. Listeners, write in. What 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 ground is A.D. Hopper thinking about? And I'm, we can I'll find see. out by the next podcast. I'm going to try and find out now. I've Googled who makes trains and it's given me Alstom, but that's a company, so I don't think we're going to find out. Do you want to hear a secret, Paul? We don't have a producer on this show. <laughs> <laughs> or a running order. Uh, see that? That's that absolute it. waste of time. That yeah, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> what are you next, then? You lot would have been promoted, wouldn't you? I'm seeing you 10 points clear, game in hand on second. How come your goal difference isn't that amazing, is it? So we win everything 2-0. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah we don't thump anyone. We're just very oh, conservative. You've only lost four games out of 30. is unbelievably impressive. And how many of those defeats have come on 3G pitches? Three of them. Yeah, that yeah. has been a, a oh. point of discussion. How many clubs have got a 3G pitch in that league? Oh, we did do this a few months ago. Yeah, I, I feel Three like that beat us. Eight. Eight. I think. I think. I could be wrong. It might be more like seven. So Worthing have got one. Maidstone have got one. Bath. Have they got one? They must nope. have one. Bath's grass. Uh, Avely have got one. So that's three. Uh, I believe Tunbridge have got one. So that's four. Hemel Hempstead have got one. That's five. Chippenham have got grass. So Alexandra. Crew. Oh, <laughs> no man's woke oh, up. sorry, sorry. We're going back to chip shops now and not, <laughs> and not a 3G Crew pitches. Alexandra, right opposite the ground. 
Yeah, they are good chips there, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Man knows his chips. They've got a picture of you behind the counter, haven't they? Yeah. Have they? Oh, I didn't know that. It must have been a recent edition. Jurgen Klopp cardboard cutout. There's uh, Adrian Hopper. This chip shop has been endorsed by Adrian Hopper, Somerset. Yeah. So is everyone rushing off on this podcast to watch Man City? Is that what happens next? Absolutely not. Wow. Rick does. He's a massive fan. But no. Um, Dave, are you aware that we're uh, over time? Yes, I'm very aware of that. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. We've got to edit all the things out I've said that could get me the sack. So <laughs> he's got a lot of editing to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, poor Rick. <laughs> yeah, I've got to listen to this again. Who is our producer of choice this week? What's your next game then, Darby, Mr. Mr. Warren? Darby. Uh, we call him by his club now. Come on, Darby. Who have you got next? Come on, come on Darby. Sorry, Darby. Come on, Darby. What's your next game? Uh, Shrewsbury at home, then Exeter away next Tuesday. Popping in for a coffee on the way past? We'll get the team bus to swing round on the A303. <laughs> past, uh, then Big Stones. Look at the helicopter. <laughs> Watch out for uh, Sonny Cox. Very, very good play oh, if he's not injured. Well, that's if I'm still in the job then. Yeah, that's true. That's eight days away, that. We won't be able to invite you onto the pod if you haven't got the job at Derby. Yeah, I could be more risky then. Yeah. Paul Warren, uncut. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got anything for us, Paul? How's that player who was on here last time I liked? Alex from... Fisher. How's he getting on? He, I thought he got out on loan somewhere, Oxford City or something, wasn't it? Do you want to take that, Tom? He went out on loan for a month, uh, went out to Oxford City, as you uh, so rightly said, AD. Uh, was he it was, a month, though? Yes, it was. Uh, he played midweek, played the full 90 in their County Cup, and then he was in the squad for Saturday, came on for the last five minutes or so. But um, no, he's doing well. He's he's back playing football now, which is nice after oh, his okay. uh, after his injury. So, yeah, nice oh, to see him back. He's sending my best. We'll do, yeah, if we if we bump into him. Yeah, but if we bump into him, we might end up breaking his leg again, so perhaps that's not God, no. the best thing to do. Depends which one of us bumps into him, yeah. Nate, I guess. Oh, I know which have... one would break his leg. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows the answer. Just come sure. out of the at crew, didn't look where he was going, Bofter broke the player's leg. Yeah. Should we call it there, gentlemen, uh, for this week? Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I've had a great time. Thanks. I'll go and watch Man City now. Get some tips well, off Pep. Yeah, think they need them. On behalf of Three Valleys Radio, I take this opportunity to thank you, Mr. Warren, for your pleasant uh, company this evening. No worries. Thanks very much. I had a good I'll time. I'll be back in touch with you in another month or so, I expect. Sounds wrong, but yeah, okay. Look forward to it. You've not been put off then, Paul. Nah, I, it's quite therapeutic for me. I quite enjoy it. Makes a change from talking about football, doesn't it? Exactly. It's just, and I feel I get sucked in. I feel like no one listens to it apart from the other four people on here. <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting in a pub, and then if I read something, then Paul Warren said, "I'm like, oh, did I?" Someone would say, "Did you say that?" I went, "Yeah, I just got sucked in, didn't I? Got loose, got loose." You're not selling the pod, not. Paul. I oh, know. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Come if on, you are you stuck on the A303, you should listen to it. When you come on next, can you a little bit about genned up on the 303? Okay, I'll get onto that. I'll Google that. Paul Warren, current Derby County manager, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I've had a great time. See you, gents. Tom Bailey, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Rick Hyatt, thanks as always. Ah, my cockles are warmed. And thank you to AD Hopper as well, because you've been listening to... Football, by the hell. (laughs) 